Hello, Stephen. Thank you for joining us this morning. Hey, Jenny. Thank you so much for having me. Yes, definitely. So I'm very excited to go through this presentation, really taking it from a buyer's perspective and, and the things that they need to consider when they're looking to buy their first home in some cases, or even second homes, but really would like to go through kind of the key perspectives and items that you look for from a, from a loan officer standpoint. So are you ready to get started? Absolutely. There's, it's always great information to have. If you're not someone who is actively, you know, in the real estate business or mortgage industry day in and day out, um, these guidelines and rules are constantly changing. So it's always good to uh, find out what's new. Great. Well, I love, love the fact that we're partnering and, and you're with Movement Mortgage. Um, and I'll just kind of go through a couple items here on my end. Um, I've been a, a real estate agent for uh, quite some time. I've been licensed since 2000. Uh, in California. Um, I primarily service the Temecula Valley and uh, the San Diego County. Um, but again, just that was just a little background about me and the work that I do from that financial standpoint to help um, really help leverage uh, my background and experience to get the your your dream home. Um, and we'll go in a little bit of detail here with, with Stephen here in a bit, but I just wanted to share what a, a typical buyer's roadmap is. And as you can see the different points here, how critical they are to get you prepared um, to go out to the market, look at homes, and then ultimately find your home. Um, and these are all key steps in the process. So obviously working with someone such as myself or with Steven is, is your step number one. And then as the items here noted with getting pre-approved, that's where Steven will spend some time going where into- I come in. What's that? <laughs> So that's where I come in. That's where you come in. That's right. Because that, that's what's key. That's foundational to the to the following steps, right? We want to get ahead yeah. of knowing what your parameters are, what you can afford, what, what you're looking for specifically from that financial standpoint. Then that puts in motion us looking for homes, right? So we want to make sure you get out in the market and you're looking within your, your price range. Um, so that's kind of looking at homes and those parameters there. Then uh, making that offer. Again, the work that Stephen does uh, is critical in creating that package, that strong package to leverage when sometimes it could be a competitive um, situation, um, making sure that you you stand out and making sure that we have everything in line from that standpoint. Yeah, yeah. it's that's very much a team effort. Like you don't don't just put that all on me. It's very much a team effort. When we're in, you're the the crafter of the offer, and then I'm going to help uh, uh, set those parameters that make sure it fits into our loan bucket, uh, so to speak, and and make sure that that uh, that works and that we're meeting those uh, fast timelines that you guys want to hit, and uh, that we can execute the contract that you're negotiating. Right. And that's and then kind of going into that negotiation and contract because we may need to come back to you, right, Stephen? Mm -hmm. If there's certain things that come up, depending on um, what comes back from a counter standpoint on the seller side of things, and what we can leverage um, with what you can provide, right? Absolutely. And then Team we go effort. through the um, contract process, and again, that's as a lender, Stephen's with you side by side, along with myself, helping facilitate that process. But we'll touch upon the various players um, and also different considerations as you work with Stephen um, on appraisals, as an example, how that comes into play, how home inspections may come into play as well. Uh, so we will cover those details, right? So as we, we finalize the transaction and then get to closing day, the fun day. Uh, that's, the, that's the ultimate goal. 
And then we're here, both of us, to support you through that process uh, because we're we're guiding you through that, right? And at the end, we are also, as, as I look at it, not just that facilitator, but sometimes that problem solver. Because if things come up, we're looking at uh, solution-based outcomes to make sure that um, things work out for you and that we can um, make it a successful transaction and a successful close for you. Okay. So with that, again, these are just the key points in working with real estate professionals, such as both Stephen and myself. Um, I noted earlier, we negotiate on your behalf. We're that transaction facilitator. We do a lot of due diligence. We make sure that everything's lined up to make sure we cover um, all the key uh, considerations. Um, and we're, we're very knowledgeable in our, in our market, uh, not only from what is available from an inventory standpoint, but as, as the details Stephen will go over, just it's a very dynamic environment right now. Uh, especially on the financing things. And Stephen will touch upon interest rates and all these different moving pieces. Um, so it's always a very dynamic market, not, nothing to, um, it's not static in any any regard, but you know, having professionals like us um, being up to date with the current trends and things like that, we're here to be resources for you. Okay. And then with that, you know, if you've been thinking for some time now, are you ready to buy? You know, what are the key things to, to think about? Um, you've been looking around, kind of getting an idea. It's tax season, right? Sometimes during this time frame, you're looking at your taxes. Um, you might be getting a little bit back so that we can use that as a down payment, but also looking at those tax um, considerations that might help, you know, having the, the, the interest and things like that be deductions um, as you're working with your um, um accountant or your tax professional, you know, it's always a good timing as we're getting into the spring season, um, more inventories that tends to come about around this time frame. It's kind of what, right? We're crossing our fingers um, to kind of see what's there, but it's just always one of those time frames during the early year, uh, part of the year that you look at. So these are items here that we we highlight. And like I said, Stephen will go into a little bit more detail, but you know, you're looking at your credit scores, you're looking at what available cash you have, closing costs, and ultimately your goal. Your goal is to find the home that um, you want to um, make your own, right? So those are just some previews. And so at this point, I'm going to hand over to uh, Stephen Cunningham, who's with Movement Mortgage, and he's going to walk you through that, that approval process. Yeah. So part of uh, one of the most important, thank you so much, Jenny, one for having me on, but also kind of putting this together because it's so it's so necessary to have some of this education because there's a lot of myths and misconceptions um, when it comes to uh, buying a home that, you know, for instance, that the 20 percent down is is one of those first things that come to mind. Um, you don't need 20 percent down. And uh, there's there's a lot of different loan programs out there available. And um, one of the most important pieces to the home buying process is the pre-approval um, and getting into um, and what that is. And uh, the, there is a difference between a pre-qualification and a pre-approval. And what we say is in in getting pre-qualified versus pre-approved is that is going to determine what your actual budget is. Um, there is credibility with sellers. Um, it understands what you qualify for versus what you can afford, and also will help you to understand the various loan programs out there. And you and I will 
go through all of this stuff together. The pre-qualification is simply any loan officer can do this. And sometimes there's some online tools that will allow you to qualify on your own. And this is simply just putting in kind of stated income, assets and everything, and gives you a ballpark of what you may qualify for. Now, it's not tied to any specific loan program or any specific um, uh, interest rates or, or anything along those lines. Uh, whereas a pre-approval is where you actually will fill out the legitimate uh, loan application and submit your financial documentation reviewed by a loan officer like myself, but then one next step further is submitted through underwriting. That's one thing our company does is that we do fully underwritten pre-approvals and that is like having cash in hand to a seller. That shows a seller that you're serious, ready to go and that your financing is set up. And, um, and so we will then review that completed loan application and collect all your financials and we'll review all the all the various different loan options that you may have available to you based on your financial criteria and also your specific goals. Uh, you may have uh, some specific um, uh, 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 specific ideas or wants or needs out of a loan uh, for your own financial situation. And we can help match and tailor a loan that fits those goals, whether they're short-term or long-term goals. Then we'll issue what's called a pre-approval letter. And that letter will then signify to a uh, signify to not only real estate agents, but also sellers that uh, you are ready to go. And that means that you are ready to go out shopping. Um, one little thing about movement mortgage is that we have a very aggressive um, process when it comes to um, uh, reviewing our loan packages. And a lot of times it can take days and sometimes even a week or more to sometimes get pre-approvals or go through underwriting. We process um, our mortgages on a 671 uh, process, which is our goal is a six hour underwrite, seven day process and one day close, um, which also means that our underwriting pre-approvals usually take 24 to 48 hours, depending on, on you, the borrower who gets us our documents in time and also what's going on with your financials and how complex they may be. I appreciate you highlighting that, uh, Stephen, this information, because it is um, a key financial component of that offer package, right? What you're highlighting here and, every, and having things go through underwriting, it just solidifies and, and shows to a seller, prospective seller, that you're putting an offer um, into uh, for a client. It really shows and demonstrates, look, this buyer is ready. And, and willing and that can help leverage that from that seller standpoint it removes uncertainty mm -hmm. you know the the biggest question that i think everybody asks is is this going to close are there going to be any problems with my loan as we're going through the um uh through the escrow process and it is our goal to remove those variables up front so that we have a very smooth and easy escrow process for everyone and there are no surprises we close on time if not early that's the end, the end all be all goal. Keep everybody happy. Exactly. And so from that agent standpoint, walking in and providing that, like you're saying, credibility to the sellers, it just helps um, provide that story about you and, and how where you're at and ready to purchase that home with everything being lined up. The more that you can share with that seller where they can relieve a little bit of that, 
you know, concern about that that piece of it of, of who's buying their home and keeping things on track. Um, this is a key part that we want to do in the process. Absolutely. It's the first part that we need to do when when uh, when shopping for a home is getting that pre-approval, because like we said, it does determine your actual budget and can determine what areas of, uh, of the city that you're looking in are that you're going to be looking in based off of, of course, your budget and also criteria for the type of home that you're shopping for. Right. Yeah. So go on to the go on to the next slide. We're going to go into kind of what we are um, kind of going to consider um, in what we're uh, in in the loan process. So arguably, we hear that um, credit score, credit score, credit score is obviously probably one of the most talked about things when you're applying for a mortgage. How is your credit score? And, and now not to diminish the credit score, it is actually very important for pricing, but arguably one of the most important criteria that we as lenders look at is your debt to income ratio. That debt to income ratio is your total monthly debt including the housing payment that we're applying for, that new mortgage payment, divided by your gross monthly income. And that will give us a ratio. And that, will, that ratio will then determine not only how much you would qualify for, but also what loan programs that you're going to qualify for. Okay. Um, in addition to that, we're going to also take a look at your assets, your income, and of course, your work history. Um, and assets being, we want to know how much down payment and closing costs do you have saved up? And and I hear this so much. Oh, I've I've got twenty thousand for the down payment. I'm like, okay, how much have we set aside for closing costs? And they're like, oh no no, twenty thousand it. That's total for everything. And it's a common misconception that, um, or, or that uh, that we don't budget for um, uh, closing costs. For some reason, that's something that escapes people's minds. They're so focused on down payment that we forget about the closing costs. So we want to to make sure that we have enough enough uh, saved up. And typically, we should be budgeting for between two and three percent of the uh, sales price for your closing costs. I'm glad you highlighted that because that's something we're going to touch upon later. And that is something that folks do not think about, right? They're they're in that down payment status. Yep. I gotta hit the down payment. Gotta hit the down payment. And we forget cost. oh, closing costs. Oh my mm -hmm. goodness. You know, and those sneak up and and they do cost. And luckily in this market, you know, where some sellers may uh, contribute towards covering closing costs, but it's by all means not guaranteed. Um, and that's uh, you know, um, uh, something that you can negotiate, but depends on the home and how uh, how many offers they have, how it's priced, whether or not they're going to contribute or not, and also the overall market. Right. I mean, things a while back, that wasn't even a consideration. Nope. But now things are changing. Not even close. And put that in that um, a seller is, in essence, giving you a credit towards those closing costs to help with that um, the close of the transaction. Yeah. Yeah, it's happened. It happened a lot recently. So let's talk about uh, the the credit score a little bit. So the the credit score is a, um, a as you all know, super important for for mortgages. 
Um, and really, it just shows you uh, uh, as, as far as like your track record for paying off debt and everything. In addition, it also provides us, the lender, information on what secured debts that you have, whether that be credit cards, student loans, um, uh, car loans, uh, other mortgages. And it gives us an idea of what your um, financial background is, what your minimum payments are. Um, and uh, there are some misconceptions about there about credit that you have to have an 800 credit score to get the best pricing um, around. And that's not really how it works. It's rates are usually based on a tier system uh, for most products, not all. Some some do, you know, have, uh, you know, higher credit scores, uh, requirements and everything. But for the most part, on, on a general basis, if you have a 740 and uh, and higher credit score, credit score, you're going to be in the uh, top tier for pricing and get some of the lowest rates. So it doesn't matter if you have an 800 or a 740, you're likely going to get some of the best pricing out there. Um, there are some of those loan loan programs, like I had mentioned, that require maybe 760 or higher is another tier. But uh, those aren't all by all means all loan programs. Um, and so I have out here listed a couple of the you know some of the tiers that are are there, and these are by all by by all means not you know rule of law. And each loan program and and sometimes each company can have slightly variations to these tiers. But this is a good rule of thumb uh, for for where you're going to be at for uh, for pricing wise. Um, and uh, we always do credit checks all throughout the loan process. So you you may see funny reels or, or information about don't buy a car, or don't open up credit during uh, during the loan process. We will find out. <laughs> I promise you that we do um, uh, we do credit checks all the way up until the end. Now these may not be hard inquiries. You're probably not going to even see them uh, on your uh, on your credit score. But we're monitoring those credit scores and and any um, anything uh, potential that you may have bought or purchased or financed recently. But also if you have or missed payments or or, uh, or anything like that. That could affect your uh, interest rate and or uh, scoring right prior to closing or potentially derail your transaction as a whole. Stephen, if I could highlight here, because I think for both you and I, when we come across this, I know individuals get really excited, right? They might be buying their first home or just they start looking at furniture. and they start Yes, furniture is a big one. And that's a big one, right? All of a sudden they're getting down because they know it's closing day to such and such date. So they go out and get the furniture and they put it on credit. Or they yeah, open up a line of credit it. with the yeah. furniture store because they say, hey, you can buy this. And for five years, for zero no percent down. Yeah, exactly. So I just oh, want no. to definitely highlight that there's 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 a reason why we want you to yep. hold off until this this is closed. Yeah, we don't want anything to potentially derail us last minute. Right. So there's several different types of uh, loans out there. We're going to touch on some of the basics of of these loans and conventional uh, conventional loans is probably the one that you're going to hear about most often, the most conventional 30-year fixed, and that is the most common loan out there. Um, and it does have some uh, specific characteristics to it, and um, and we're going to talk about this and some of the other type of loans uh, out there and the differences between them. For a first-time homebuyer, that's what uh, FTHB stands for, first-time homebuyer, um, we can do as little as 3% down payment on a conventional loan. That's wildly different than the myth of having to put 20% down, you know, uh, and, and just keep in mind, though, the smaller the down payment, the larger your monthly payment's going to be. So if you want to keep that monthly payment uh, in check or small um, or, um, uh, you know, keep that 
debt to income ratio um, lower, put more money down. But to get your foot in the door, 3% down is a fantastic place to start. Uh, for subsequent purchases, if you uh, have already used up your first-time homebuyer purchase, 5% uh, is the minimum down for uh, a conventional loan. Minimum credit score is 620, um, and that's not set by our company. Those are set by government-sponsored agencies such as Fannie Mae and Freddie Mac. They determine the guidelines uh, for all of these types of loans, and we as lenders need to follow them and enforce them, and um, that's how, so lenders do not make these rules. Now, we may have certain rule guidelines, overlays, they're called, um, for our specific um, company, but they're few and far between, and typically following jumbo programs and, and stuff along those lines. Um, if you put down under 20%, um, by law, again, PMI is required. PMI is called private mortgage insurance. Um, and those uh, are required for anything under 20% down. PMI is based off of your credit score and everything. We'll talk about PMI, I believe, a little bit later. Um, and it's not a bad thing. Um, conventional loans come in two forms, which is a conforming loan versus non-conforming. Conforming follows to Fannie Mae's um, county guideline limits uh, for uh, loan limits. And, um, and for most areas, it's $726,200. Um, that's a good sized loan amount. Um, and that means you can buy, um, you know, pushing almost a million dollar home under a conventional conforming loan, which is pretty fantastic. And in high cost counties, such as um, uh, Orange County, Los Angeles, and I think San Diego falls into this as well, um, uh, the high cost is $1,089,300, which means you can probably buy about a $1.3 million home uh, on a conventional conforming with as little as 3% down if um, <laughs> if you're a first-time home buyer. Buying over a million-dollar home with 3% down, that's pretty amazing. Pretty amazing. So to uh, conversely um, uh, go next is a government loan, uh, FHA. And this is sponsored by the Federal Housing Authority, okay, um, and which is a uh, government program uh, to help um, individuals get into homes. And they have a little bit um, looser guidelines, um, but it, in some cases, it can cost more, um, and not all the time. So the minimum down is 3.5% for all buyers. It doesn't matter if you're a first time or if this is your 10th home you're buying, 3.5% minimum down. So it lowers that barrier of entry for everybody to be able to get into uh, the housing market. They also have a minimum credit score of 500. Um, now, most lenders won't lend that low. Most will go only down to 580. Um, but there are plenty of lenders who do go down to 500. So again, it, this goes to show you do not have to have perfect credit in order to buy a home. Your interest rates may be higher because you represent a higher risk, but you can still buy a home. And we all know the challenges of, or the benefits of purchasing a home versus not owning a home is far outweigh um, renting. By, by any stretch, you are gonna gain more wealth in your lifetime if you own a home than someone who rents. Um, so the max debt to income ratio, 
for an FHA loan can go almost up to 55%, uh, whereas a conventional loan can only go up to 40 or 50%, 49.99 and 54.99 respectively here. Um, so that again, um, lowers the the standard so if you don't have to have be debt free when purchasing a home we just have to have lower debt utilization um, and this program allows for you if you do have some additional debt say you're carrying some uh, multiple student loans and uh, you still want to be able to buy a house but um, uh, and to get to that price point you want to be you got to have a little bit higher of a debt to income ratio guess what an fha loan is it may be good for you um, there are um, uh, PMI required for the life of the loan on this loan. It doesn't matter where as a conventional loan, PMI will fall off your loan at 78% loan to value ratio, which means that uh, the bank owns 78% um, of your house and you own 22% of your house. So you can, um, uh, with uh, FHA though, you have it for the life of the loan. And the only way to get out of PMI is to refinance it with an FHA. There's also known as the upfront mortgage insurance premium. Um, and that is a percentage of the loan that is charged upfront and is paid to the Federal Housing Authority or FHA. Um, and that is a charge that they do that essentially allows for the lower um, credit scores and higher debt to income ratios. So there's a little bit of a, a trade-off for this, but it is great for those lower credit scores and, and uh, lower down payments and higher debt people. And sometimes it's called a starter loan. It's great for first time home buyers and get your foot into the door and then refinance out of it into a conventional loan later on. And if I could add there too, Stephen, so that PMI, that mortgage insurance, basically, it is another tag on to the monthly payment. Correct. Yes. And it, all it does is it protects us, the lender, from uh, from uh, the event of foreclosure. So if you can't make your payments or something, we can recoup some of the cost of the loan. Because yeah, we'll have their principal and interest, and then they have this PMI, and then if they have any other escrow fees such as property taxes and things yep like and it's based on your credit score and and uh debt to income ratio so if you have um uh you know just the other day i did a, a quote for pmi and it was 48 dollars a month really cheap um then i've seen others that was you know two and three hundred dollars a month so it, it varies quite a bit and depends on your specific financial background and those are all things that you would highlight when you're working with someone so that they know that part of it too. Oh, absolutely. It's super important to know every what comprises your entire monthly payment. Perfect. So the VA loans, which is another type of loan that we uh, that we offer, it's for our veterans and it's offered and backed by the Veteran Administration, which is another government loan. And you it's all for active duty or uh veterans or surviving spouses of veterans. And this is probably one of the best loan programs and our vets absolutely deserve it. They can buy a home with 0% down payment. So if you're a veteran out there, take advantage of this. 0% um, down payment. We don't even have a minimum credit score. Um, the VA, most lenders will use 580, but we'll work with um, work with you if you have a score under 580. Um, our company will. We will work with people under 580. I'm actually working with a veteran right now who has a score of 530, who had some 
got into some trouble during um, uh, the pandemic and um, we're still able to help him buy a home. Um, and uh, DTI, uh, again, we can go up to uh, 55%. Um, and there are some uh, uh, other calculations that go along with VA and one of them being residual income. If we have residual income and everything going on, then you know we can go to a higher debt to income ratio. There's regardless of how much you put down, there's no PMI. So um, because this is backed by um, by the Veterans Administration, we are the loan is backed, so there is no private mortgage insurance, which is another huge benefit. So you can do 100% financing and not have an added amount to your monthly payment. Um, there is no max loan amount. There are no county guidelines that we have to follow. Uh, there may be some additional guideline overlays if the property is over a million dollars, but uh, you might have to have some reserves in your account or, or something along those lines. But um, And that's kind of a case-by-case -case basis. And uh, if we get up to that amount, then we'll We'll have those kind of discussions, but if you're if you're a veteran, I would highly highly recommend taking a look at the VA loan program. Right. And then, of course, Jumbo. Jumbo is um, identified as a non-conforming loan, and this is essentially loan limits or loans that exceed the loan limits set by Fannie Mae and Freddie Mac. Like we said with um, uh, in the conventional side, you know, up to a million eighty nine two hundred for these high cost counties that we're in and anything above that um, is going to be a non-conforming loan and typically a jumbo. They're designed to finance high value properties um, and uh, in luxury homes in expensive areas. Um, they do have kind of their own set of guidelines. They have higher credit scores, larger down payment requirements. Um, even for first time home buyers, uh, you may be required to put um, as, as much as 30% um, down, um, I think as low as 15% down. It really depends on the, uh, the individual and loan program and loan amount that we're, um, we're taking a look at. But we do have um, some, actually I take it back, we do have a loan program we can go down uh, to a 90% down or 90% um, loan to value or a 10% down payment on a jumbo loan, which which is pretty, pretty wild uh, to be able to only put 10% down on, let's say, a $3 million home, um, which is uh, which is fantastic. But there are these other requirements as well that go along with it, um, including uh, more extensive documentation. You know, if we're lending amount this amount of money. We're going to be looking at your finances much more thoroughly than a regular uh, conventional conforming loan may and may require um, uh, some uh, additional documentation that you have to provide us or explanations for that matter. So we do have different underwriting criteria stricter debt to income ratio requirements, large cash, maybe some cash reserves. And reserves are simply funds sitting in an in account. It could be a 401k, it could be a brokerage, but we wanna know that you have some additional funds available. So say you can't make your mortgage payment, you have at least sometimes six months of your mortgage payment set up in that could be paid um, out of these other accounts should you run into financial problems. Um, and that's not necessarily true for all jumbo loans, but some some do require these uh, reserve requirements. So what makes up your payment? And that is what is called your P-I-T-I -I, and sometimes A. 
<laughs> and that is your principal interest taxes, insurance, and possible association dues. Although we do not um, uh, collect uh, your mortgage payment for your association dues, your HOA dues, um, that's not usually part of your payment. That is something that we calculate and make sure that you can afford um, in your monthly payment. So we'll talk about your principal payment, your interest payment, and then your and then if we escrow your account, which most most people do escrow their account. And what I mean by that, it's a separate set aside account where we collect one twelfth because there's twelve months in a year, one twelfth of your uh, property taxes and homeowner's insurance premium and set it in an account. So at the end of the year, we have enough in that account to renew our homeowner's insurance policy and pay your property taxes so that you don't have to remember to uh, to do that and budget for that because uh, people get into hot water because of that, because property taxes can be a lot. So I highly recommend uh, doing that. Some people don't like it and they want to invest their money elsewhere or, or do something like that. Um, there's usually a fee to waive escrows, and not everyone is eligible to waive escrows, but even some of my most high net worth uh, real estate investor clients escrow it because they want it out of sight, out of mind, and not have to remember it because we do that all for you, which is really nice. Uh, we did touch on PMI briefly, uh, that private mortgage insurance, which is uh, if you put under 20% down, um, that can be added to your payment here. So we'd have principal taxes interest, home taxes, homeowners insurance, PMI, and your HOA if you're buying in an HOA. And that payment is only for unconventional loans if you put under 20% down and it will eventually fall off. Uh, you can request it to be removed when you reach 80% um, loan to value or uh, it automatically falls off at 78% loan to value. And of course, if you have an FHA loan, it's on there for life. You have that PMI payment for as long as you have that FHA loan. But of course, once you kind of um, are well underway, you refinance out of that into maybe a conventional loan, uh, you may not need PMI anymore. Perfect. Yeah. All right. So thank you for all that background, right? A lot of info. A lot more terms <laughs> of programs, right? There's some new things at the state level that has been issued. And so that's where you work with every client to see what is the best um, finance. Oh yeah. There beyond just the, you know, a conventional conforming FHA and jumbo loans. There's also bond products, you know, like a down payment assistance loans. There's a DSCR where there is asset depletion, there's bank statements. So if you don't fit into those little boxes, I, promise you there's usually a loan program for you that's a whole nother presentation exactly well I, I wanted you to touch upon because everyone is hearing this in, in the news right everything rates, rates. rates right and so we kind of shared this historical perspective right to give kind of that visual of where things are at because we know from the last few years we got a little bit accustomed to that three percent four percent range right and so over Absolutely. the course of the last year Rates have gone up almost around 2%, right? We're kind of in the 6 to 7% today um, in terms of the range. So talk about a little bit about that, kind of looking at this historical view where things are at now. Yeah. As we mentioned earlier, certainly it's not it's a very dynamic environment, right? And then especially in this space. So maybe kind of highlight a little bit of what you've been seeing with, with rates and, and what that is related to, because as they hear, oh, the Fed is increasing rates, it's not always necessarily a direct correlation to correct, rates, right? Yes, yes. So I love this graph because it really kind of puts into perspective 
where we're at it for the, the housing industry and mortgage rates. So as you can see, this red line that's going across um, is kind of where it hits the top of where we're at. And the vast majority of, of this is above <laughs> is above the line. And that line is above essentially about seven point, uh, what is that, 7.4-ish percent, you know, uh, 7%. Um, and uh, that's pretty standard for where mortgage rates are. Um, they they like to live probably right around that 5 6% mark. Um, and so historically, look at this. In the 80s, oh my gosh, almost, <laughs> almost pushing 20%. And so during the 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 2000s as you can see we are really steadily treading downwards until also you know post pandemic we're in the in the low twos you know i locked some loans at 2.2% i mean oh my gosh that is that's like free money i think part of the 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 you know the the scariness of what's happened recently is simply the sharp the sharp rise it's sticker shock is what everyone is um, been so concerned about, oh my gosh, you know, we've been used to these twos and threes for a few years and suddenly, you know, um, six, 7% is absolutely, you know, unacceptable and, and, uh, it creates uncertainty. And also we're in a volatile market at the moment, um, and, uh, in a volatile economy. So they're kind of going up and down, but as you can see though, when you zoom out historically, we're not really out of control. These aren't, uh, you know, out of the blue high sky high rates. This is kind of normal um, when you uh, zoom out. And I fully expect rates later in the year to kind of hit the fives. Um, and you can may ask yourself, well, if the Fed keeps raising rates, how is that possible? And the Fed funds rate is not tied to mortgage rates. Um, Fed funds rates are going to be your credit cards, your um, auto loans, stuff like that nature, whereas the bond market and the treasury is what mortgage rates fall off. So typically, when the Fed has announced a rate hike, rates have actually, um, and they, they, they come out just this last one, they raised another 25 basis points. We saw a, a huge drop in, in interest rates, uh, actually. They went from like 7.05 down to like um like 6.44 something like that and um that was a pretty dramatic drop but yet they raised rates and it's because it removed uncertainty for investors in mortgage-backed securities um because the fed now knows what or the the investors now know what the fed is doing and they rubber stamped it and said yes this is what we're doing and it removes uncertainty the markets don't like uncertainty so um that's kind of uh the basis for where we're at so when the fed raises rates um, although it, it's, you know, it's not necessarily favorable, um, uh, it is, it's not directly tied to interest rates for your mortgage. So you can be rest assured that just because the Fed's raising interest rates doesn't mean that interest rates for your mortgage are going to continue to climb up. In fact, usually the opposite is true. And also, I, I, one other thing I want to note on this graph before we move on, see these gray bars on all of these uh, uh, um, on the graph here? These gray bars represent recessionary periods. And as you can see, with the exception of in the uh, kind of in the 80s um, and uh, the oil and gas crisis in the 70s, um, typically when we have a recession, interest rates drop. Isn't that interesting? Almost always they drop. 
Okay. And if we're heading into another recessionary period, I do expect rates to drop because essentially when we're in a recession, the government wants to sponsor purchasing and buying of, of economics and goods. Right now we're trying to slow the economy and pump the brakes. Eventually it's gonna turn the other way and they're gonna lower those interest rates even further and suddenly we're gonna be in a big boom. Mm -hmm. And it's important to keep in mind one other thing, supply and demand. Mm -hmm. As rates fall, demand's going to increase, home prices are gonna increase. Marry the rate, date the house. Right. I'm sorry, marry the rate. Marry the house, say, date the rate. That's yeah. the first time I've ever said that backwards. <laughs> I swear. But that, that is the expression that we're using now, right? Go ahead it and is. marry the house, but date the rate the rate so that way you can make some changes down the road. The yeah. rate is not something that is a forever thing. You may lock exactly. it in for 30 years, but you're not married to that rate. You can mm -hmm. always refinance it and lower your monthly payment later on. Right. Exactly. I'm glad you you highlighted this because Individuals hear a lot of what's going on in the news and then that association and I, what you highlighted really helps. It's not doom and clarity. gloom. Mm -hmm. Right. It's exactly. not. All right. So appreciate you highlighting that information, uh, Stephen. So I think the next few slides here is with that information, having that context, having where that it's basically that roadmap, then we can start looking for the house, right? That you're looking for. And mm -hmm. these are all the different factors because you, you could be looking at location. You're looking at that pricing ties back again to what your loan might look like. You know, how big of a house, what's the square footage you want to have bedrooms, bath, certain looks, features, schools, things like that. These are all different variables into making that selection and helping uh, myself to help you tailor and see what's available in, in the market at this point um, as we start to kind of that start that home process and looking at um, the you know locking something in for you and the, here are the next tools a, a lot of um, individuals start their home search on the internet right and what you hear a lot about is the mls the multiple listing service um, that is a network of you know of us having listings on there and an ability to go look for it, have information on a property. You find something online, you let me know. I can look and connect with the agent, see what other features are, are there. Um, a lot of it is done on online, right? You could be looking at 10 o'clock at night, 11 o'clock at night, different hours. You know, you're looking and kind of seeing things. All the time. Send over that information. <laughs> um, then that way I can start looking at things behind the scenes for you to get ready to go show the home. Um, and then also working at the same time with um, Stephen to see, okay, this is the price point. This is what you've looked at. Um, and that that's one way, right? From a technology-based mm -hmm. standpoint. The next is, you know, you see things, um, you can be driving in a neighborhood that could be open um, or open house or the yard signs, things that are maybe even a new construction home, just, you know, loop me in to help support you with that process. Um, things that are even friends. Friends might tell you, hey, have you seen this house in this particular neighborhood? Um, they know they might know kind of what you're looking for. So those are the other basis and opportunities of way for you to to look at. And then to just automated, you know, having our platform with EXP, we can set you up um, for specific alerts. So when something actually gets posted, it'll push out an email to you and say, that's look, so cool. Right? I love that. I think we've got resources working on our end and then also kind of working with um, Stephen as well. So I think having that first type of notice, um, kind of immediate type of thing, it really helps when, when you're looking. And if supply is limited, 
you want to kind of be the first one out there to kind of look at it and if anything well, i think it's so cool that you're you're able with these some of these home uh, home uh, search systems that you're able to put in their pre-approval criteria their budget criteria and only spit out homes that that meet their specific criteria whether it's bedroom bath and loan stuff and bam they're getting homes that they're ready that they, they could put an offer in that's exactly. that's so cool i love that tailored specifically to them what a great custom touch um and then with that you know once once we you find something right you fall in love with the home you know there's the different considerations such as having your your deposit ready to go that that down payment everything that we've talked with steven about right what he's just highlighted hi highlighted here previously we have that information ready to go to create that package then we start looking at dates, right? We start building in dates. There's a lot of it in the contract. There's certain standard language, 17 days, things like that to complete certain tasks that we want to be mindful of. Um, and, and Stephen touched upon that earlier. We want to make sure we hit all of those dates and if anything, close sooner to make sure everything is funded from a loan standpoint so we can hit that escrow date as much as possible. And that's why we like to work ahead too and have that fully underwritten pre-approval because we don't want to be scrambling to make sure that we hit these dates, right? We want this to be a very smooth and easy process for everybody. You know, last thing as a, as you know, uh, you know, me being a buyer have been a buyer. I know you've been a buyer before too, is worrying about whether or not my loan is going to close. You should be worried about the home, you know, the inspections and, and also being excited about this, you know, you're purchasing a home, not stressed to know all, all end whether or not you could potentially lose your earnest money deposit. And that's, that's why it's important. Collectively as a team, we want to mm -hmm. make sure that we've got everything lined up to make it smooth for you given it, it is, this is one of your largest purchases, right? It's ten, tends to be one of the most stressful times too, but we want to take away that stress and, and handle so that you can focus on that excitement of being, you know, ready to move in, but making sure we have everything, everything lined up, right? I always say kind of have your ducks in a row. So that way mm -hmm. we can hit all the key milestones and be ready to address those as they come up. Okay. And then once your offer is accepted, we put that package together. Then we start getting things, um, you know, next steps with escrow. We'll touch upon that in a little bit, but you've got to, you know, send over your money for that deposit. We start the home inspection process. We start the appraisal process. Stephen touched upon the underwriting, but again, if we can get that done ahead of time, we already kind of have that locked in. It helps us along the way. Um, and then just, you know, what doing walkthrough, signing documents, um, and then obviously funding and closing. Um, those, these are kind of just the overview of what happens during that process. Um, but most importantly is escrow because, you know, you hear about this and what they are, they're a third party, um, neutral party that is the facilitator for the buyer and the seller working with the lender, working with title company, working with all these in the different in the agents, right? Everything facilitating that process, taking that residential purchase agreement, putting together what they know is called as the escrow instructions. They document everything. They're double checking everything. So that way things are lined up for closing because they are keep, they're the keepers of the money, right? Before they can disperse yeah. anything out to all the appropriate parties or receive money coming in from the lender or your down, down payment, they're, they're reconciling all of that information and making sure everything's lined up. They hold everybody responsible. They hold us, the lender, um, uh, to the contract. They hold the buyer and seller to the contract, and they make sure everyone is doing what they're supposed to be doing. I love it. They're good. Exactly. They're, I love they're, escrow. They're key partners in the in this process. Yep. So. And and it's important to note that sellers choose this company. 
um, who is going, what companies are going to be used. There's some that are better than others, as we, as you and I both know. So, um, but we're, we just have to work with, uh, with who we get. And um, I will say most escrow companies are, are really good and do an excellent job of facilitating these transactions. And most of the time, the buyer never hears of any frustrations. It's usually on my end, <laughs> behind the scenes. Right, right. And, and it's <laughs> but I always get it done. You know, it's, it, it's important to work as a team uh, through, through the whole process. And, and um, I honestly have nothing bad to say about anybody. They're, they've all been good. We've getting deals done. And as you know, in this business, a lot of it is relationships, right? We, we've got a key relationship with you as the buyer, but us having that professional relationship with all of the stakeholders is what really, at the end of the day, provides you the level of service as you're going through this process and, and the high level of service with that. So Absolutely. Okay. Um, the next item along the way, kind of just part of your due diligence, highly recommend from, from both of our perspectives is doing a home inspection. You wanna make sure yes. you have that visual assessment. You wanna make sure it's thorough. You, you get a report from a home inspector uh, that highlights things in case there needs to be any repairs. So that way we can work with the seller and submit uh, requests for repairs. Um, but then too, some loans, and I think if Stephen, if you could highlight that too, where things are at with some of the loans that you highlighted, yeah. do some in fact require home inspections or, or any key so components of that? Yeah, some some loan programs do have features that do may require pest uh, a pest inspection or um, or even just this type of uh, regular um, uh, uh, inspection. And most of the time, those are FHA loans, government, uh, and also uh, VA loans to to some extent. But primarily, FHA loans is what we're talking about. Everything mechanically with the home needs to be working in good working order uh, to be financed by the government. And that even mean could mean. Um, fixing peeling paint. Um, I've seen, I've had a um, uh, an inspection report and appraisal come back that there was peeling paint and uh, FHA required the seller to fix that before we could close on the deal. Um, so there are um, uh, certain, uh, certain little uh, guideline nuances regarding that. And I also want to highlight that there is a difference between an appraisal and an inspection. An appraisal is gonna determine the, the market value of the property, um, whereas an inspection is gonna go deep into the mechanical and uh, structural stuff of what's going on with the property. Although appraisal takes a look and makes sure everything is in working order, um, it's not necessarily going to uh, determine that uh, there's a slab leak and uh, you need to get this fixed or the roof needs to be repaired in, in a year or two. That's what a home inspection is going to do. The appraisal is going to say, yep, there's a roof up there and it's and it looks good, you know, <laughs> and that's that's what an appraisal is going to do. Um, and the appraisal is going to determine your loan to value ratio. Um, and it is going to be the uh, lower of either the sales price or the appraised value. Um, and that is what we're going to base our that loan to uh, uh, loan to value. And that loan to value is simply um, how much the bank owns of the property versus how much you, the buyer, owns of the property. So if you put 20% down, you own 20, the, the LTV would be 80%, which means the bank owns 80%, you own 20%. Um, and there is a such thing called an appraisal gap because what if the appraisal comes in less than what the sales price is? Well, and you're only putting, you know, let's say 5% down on the, on the home. Um, and suddenly our LTV uh, doesn't work and uh, or meets the program guidelines. That could require you to bring in more money down payment to make that loan to value ratio 
per the loan guideline or rule, um, or it's a negotiation uh, with the um, uh, with the agents involved to see if you can negotiate a lower sales price to make that LTV work. Right. And that's what we saw a lot of it this past year, right? Yeah. Years, when people are so putting well. above ask offers and, you know, when the market was really crazy, you were hearing homes going for a hundred, two hundred thousand dollars over asking. And they weren't appraising for that. No one was expecting them to appraise for that because we knew that it was over market value. And a lot of times um, people had to bring in more money to close, even more. It's just it was a wild time. Appraisal gaps are not common. Um, and you only really need to worry about it if you're putting a very minimal amount down. And that piece that there too is, you know, having that difference, they have to be ready to have those funds available, right, to cover mm -hmm. that. And that's very also sensitive if it is written into that agreement with the seller, right, that responsibility if you want to cover that. But like you highlighted, it does require negotiation. Just because that appraisal comes lower doesn't mean now that it's been reset. Right. Exactly. Sales prices, what was written into that contract. And so if there is any conversation, it is going back to that seller to see if they can modify that sales price down as an example. So everything's negotiable until you close. You just have to be aware of the different language that gets written into the agreement and having those contingencies and knowing if it doesn't materialize, okay, what's your plan B? Right. And then what and what are those risks and trade offs type of thing? Exactly. But, and that's why it's, it's all again, another highlighted point of having a knowledgeable season team uh, behind you mm -hmm. to make sure that you're, you're getting the best advice possible. And I think what the prior slide on the home inspection and then this one on the appraisal, these are two examples of what we touched upon earlier about closing costs. Right. These are closing mm -hmm. costs that you need to consider because you'll be paying that in a sense out of pocket. Yep. Before be we even close. So you need to have that. And these costs both kind of range based on the square footage of the house. So it could be a couple hundred dollars. It just depends on and then who the provider is um, and what their fee schedule is. But it's typically based around the square footage of the house. Okay. Um, and then th with that too, as we work closely with on our team, we've got a, a title representative. So, you know, having that um, ensure that it's free and clear that there are not any issues with it. We typically run those um, prior to. We want to make sure that there's there's not any issues with that. Um, but they look at the history and the the transfer of who's owned the house to make sure that they have a policy. It's typically paid by the seller. Um, this particular cost to have that assurance there, and it, what it does, it protects both um, the buyer and the lender. Um, that's something that Stephen and his team look for, right? In this in this regard. Um, mm -hmm. And then that, um, you know, they just want to make sure that there's nothing out there with with taxes being outstanding, any loans, any liens, any type of encumbrances, things like that. Uh, but we, you know, we typically look at it on the front end, too, just to make sure as you're going into that offer status, what, what might be there. Um, but it is part of that due diligence that amongst us, we look for, but then, too, as part of that escrow process they'll be working with that title representative that the seller has. And we also note it typically disclosed also in, at least I like to do it, um, in the purchase agreement, um, working usually with the seller's agent in advance to see who is that they normally work with. So we can put that in the, in the residential purchase agreement. Okay. Um, and then here's a, a list of fees, right? Oh boy, so scary. That's a lot, right? <laughs> so so you see appraisals on there and then the home inspection and so forth. But um, these are the yeah, things highlighted, right? 
Yeah, these are a lot, a lot of fees. But, um, and, and again, some of these, um, so we, I'll, I'll just kind of go through some of these real, real basically. Uh, it's a common misconception that lenders control all these fees and that we, we issue, you know, hey, here's the closing cost for, for this transaction. And that's actually not the case. As a lender, we actually, uh, out of all of these fees listed here, we only control two. That's it. The processing fee and the underwriting fee. For our company, we have a processing fee of $595 and an uh, underwriting fee of $895. That's it. That's all we charge to do the loan. Pretty cheap, right? Um, everything else is either a third-party expense that uh, you cannot shop for, that is a cost that we, the company, incur that we pass on to you, such as um, the credit report, flood cert fee, tax service fee, um, uh, VOE fee. I mean, there's there's a whole bunch of uh, of those types of fees that we'll pass on to you. Um, that uh, that we incur during the loan process to do in doing our verifications and everything. Um, the other um, uh, thing to notate is that closing costs are often determined by the purchase contract because we won't know who the um, uh, the settlement companies, the, the title and escrow companies are on a transaction until we're in contract. So we will request um, those fees from a title and escrow company to then import into our file because they will vary quite a bit from company to company. Some are cheaper, some are more expensive. Um, and, uh, and we just go with whatever um, uh, they provide us. Um, and you will have to pay those. So a lot of those are going to be your um, recording fee as actually from the county and state, but um, uh, your title, your title insurance, lender's title, doc prep fee, settlement fee, CPL letter, title exam fee, title insurance binder, wire fee, notary fee. Those are all settlement fees that are often determined by the, um, uh, by the uh, title and escrow company chosen by the seller. Um, and they they were range in price, but any like I said, anything that you should be able to uh, or to be able to budget anywhere between two and three percent typically of um, is where you should budget for your closing cost fees. And then we mentioned earlier too, we're, we're in a different environment now from a market standpoint where sellers are a little bit more receptive to putting in that purchase yeah. agreement saying, you know, will you cover the buyer's closing costs up to 3000 5000 or however it might be, whatever's again negotiated. Uh, and that's what goes towards paying some of these costs that are here. Absolutely. And there's uh, there's even a great loan program called a 2-1 buy down right now uh, that's going on. It's pretty popular where sellers are agreeing to pay um, a certain amount of points and it will reduce your interest rate for two years. So uh, let's say you're locked in at six and a half today. The first year you would be at four and a half for 12 months and then it would then go up year two to five and a half for 12 months and then um, back to six and a half year three, but that offers two years of lower payments and um, and you refi as those rates come back down. So you never pay that six and a half rate. And that's an example of the uh, seller actually paying for origination points. Origination points are if you want to pay a fee upfront for a lower interest rate. And sometimes sellers will pay for that for you as well. And that's also something that's very typical now you're seeing with new construction with builders. They're doing that buy down as a way mm -hmm. to bring in Absolutely. interested buyers. Yeah. Okay. So just wanted to highlight that for you so you can see some of these details.
And so with that, we've kind of walked through the, the process and then you get to your, your final big day where you have your closing day. And so just know that we're all working with you, um, you know, having everything you're going to typically probably be with escrow, signing all the, the loan documents that were prepared by Steven and his team, um, and then wiring any remaining funds over to, to close or closing costs, anything that you may have, um, you know, having, you're going to be working with a notary, making sure you have all your identification and all the information you need. But um, this is getting down to, to that final step. It's really cool to note that you can go, you can pretty much sign docs anywhere. We'll send a mobile notary to you. I've had people on vacation. Uh, we send a notary to them. They sign docs on vacation. You just have to be in the United States. I had one one couple just recently saying, hey, we're out of the country of Mexico. And I'm like, no, you can't sign docs in Mexico. Sorry. Have <laughs> you have to wait till here. they came back. Mm -hmm. That's right. <laughs> Got to be within the United States. Um, so I know we covered quite a bit. And so if you have any questions I mean, in terms of what you qualify for, uh, Stephen's provided some QR codes here that you can start and it'll direct you to a website that'll walk you through step-by-step -step and yeah. give you some background. If you want to, to pre-qualify where you're not submitting docs or doing any of the credit checks or anything and just kind of get a ballpark idea of what you may qualify for based off of where you're at currently financially, this is a great way to be able to do that. And then you can take it a step further and begin your actual pre-approval where we do the loan application, review your finances and are ready to rock and roll to start your go out shopping with Jenny. Yep. All right. Because really, that's the fun part. No that's one likes to. Part. No one likes to do the loan stuff. <laughs> so we've got here just the next few slides. Just book your consultation with either me or with Stephen to kind of get things started for you. Uh, we've provided our contact information here, and then on the next few slides, also you can either call us, email us. You know, there's different ways of reaching out to us and booking on our, our various platforms. Um, so I would like to note that I, I work weekends. It's often uh, the case where a lot of people think that mortgage lenders only work banker hours, nine to five, Monday through Friday. Um, that's not the case with me because real estate happens on weekends. It happens in the evenings when people are off of work. So I make myself available uh, as just as you do pretty much uh, for me, almost 24 seven. And, um, and uh, my wife uh, always loves that I'm constantly working, but um uh, it's important to be able to um, reach your real estate professional. If you don't have your mortgage lenders or your your realtors' um, personal contact information to reach them and ask questions, it's kind of a red flag. Yeah, you'd be surprised. We're we're emailing each other at ten o'clock at night, type of thing. Mm -hmm. We're 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 working and helping support you, so that way all the other parties can do their thing on the next day, type of thing. So, Absolutely. All right. Well, if you've got any questions, just um, you can reach out to us. We can help you out and appreciate your time and listening in to us today and appreciate your time, Stephen. I know you're very busy. Thanks for having sharing, me. Sharing your perspectives and information here so that we can help others as they're starting the, the home buying process. We're excited to be able to help you all. All right. Well, thanks, everybody. Thanks.